you can tell yourself that there's nothing out there or you can create opportunities for yourself. Those opportunities are out there and they're going to be filled by somebody. Question is, why not you? I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek, that is what we truly want, and you absolutely are here to serve the world, and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to ButcherBox for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Every month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high quality meat right to your home. All meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Right now, you can get a free rack of St. Louis ribs, one pack of bacon, and one pack of pulled pork ribs in your first box. Just go to butcherbox.com slash dream job. Thanks to Indeed for supporting my podcast. My team is a small business and every single hire needs to just fit right. That's why I'm working with Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash dream job. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Also, thanks to Purple. The Purple Grid sets the Purple mattress apart from every other mattress. It's a patented comfort technology that instantly adapts to your body's natural shape and sleep style. Get 10% off any order of $200 or more by going to purple.com slash dreamjob10, promo code dreamjob10, terms apply. Hi guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So I just wanted to say that we usually, you know, have big conversations on this show about what are your goals and what are your dreams and it's a new year and let's do this thing. And I also just want to honor where you are at. Wherever you are at is important to just really hold space for because if you were in a yoga class, it's not going to be helpful to judge your practice by looking at what the girl two rows ahead of you is doing because it's not relevant because if for you growing today is doing a better down dog and for her she's able to do all those inversions it's really not about measuring yourself against someone else it's measuring yourself against your own yardstick and so actually today we're going to do something that we've never really done so much of which is we're going to have a conversation with my friend Ramit Saiti about those of you who don't want to be entrepreneurs, but who want to go get your dream job. And how do you find a dream job if you want to work for someone else? And I thought it was important to also honor that journey because for some of you doing your life's work is working in a school, is working for a company as a person who gets to be a creative director or a million other things that might light you up being a part of a bigger team. And maybe doing your life's work is something that definitely does not involve you being your own boss. That's possible, right? That's very possible. So we're going to talk about that today. But before we do, I also just wanted to say that I want to stop and acknowledge you for wherever you are, whatever that looks like. I want you to be proud of how you've handled the last few months, how you've handled the last insane year. The silent battles that you have fought, the moments that you had to really deal with very big things, the times that you maybe wiped your own tears. I want you to celebrate your strength. I want you to really, really take a hard look, like pull over to the side of your life and take a look because it is nothing short of a marvel. And I adore you guys. And I am so here for this. And it is 
really cool that we can have these conversations about how we want to grow and what we want to do and how we want to live into our greatness and live up to our potential. Like that's, that's never going to go away. Like as long as we are here and our hearts are beating, we are going to want to rise up, right? Like every tree wants to just keep growing closer to the sun. At the same time, I want you to be very clear that you have soldiered through so much and it needs to be recognized. So as I said, I'm excited because today Ramit Saiti is back on the podcast. He's the best-selling author of his amazing book, which is a New York Times bestseller, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. He's also an entrepreneur, a personal finance and development expert. He's a teacher and his community has over 1 million monthly readers, which is no surprise because he delivers such valuable knowledge. We had him on the show a couple years ago to talk about what it takes to build a rich life. And I still quote him all the time from that conversation. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go check it out after this one. Today, he's here to talk about what would you need in order to land your dream job? How would you go find your dream role? Now, I think that this is such an important topic, as I said, because we haven't necessarily dove into this enough. So if you're looking to find a job that allows you to have purpose and to grow with your skills, then I think that this is going to really set your heart on fire. Ramit has a ton of helpful tips to share with you on this topic, like how to stand out in your interview or how to negotiate something new with your boss. So many good things. So definitely you might want to take notes here. Without further ado, please welcome the awesome Ramit Saiti. Ramit, you're back. And I'm so happy you're back because that was one of my favorite episodes. And I quote you all day and all night. I really do. Why don't we talk about what you're up to right now? Well, thanks for having me back. This is a blast to be back. And you know what? I'm excited to talk about money. I'm excited to talk about careers. And I'm excited to talk about how to use the parts of your life, whether it's your career, your money, even starting a business to create the rich life that you want. Not your parents, not your friends, the one that is custom fit like a handmade piece of clothing, custom just for you. It's so empowering. And for those of you who did not hear the first episode, you need to go back and hear Ramit when he was here before. But to hear this come from you with such clarity and such genuine certainty that it that it is a possibility with, with a big capital P, knowing that you come from such humble means, knowing that you come from well-meaning, hardworking parents who had a very different script and sang a different song. It's just amazing to me that you were able to rewire new understandings about money. And I just want to talk about that for a second, because I do think a lot of people are are still dealing with what was modeled for them. And it, it does feel like there's a couple things modeled that which is scarcity. You know, the clients are not there. The money's not there. The idea that like, I can't do what I love. I have to build someone else's dream or selling is sleazy or all that stuff. Just as a refresher, how did you turn that like an alchemist from one thing to something totally different? Well, like everyone, I grew up with invisible scripts. The invisible scripts are beliefs that we have that are so deep that they invisibly guide our lives. And all of us can think of invisible scripts. Um, there are positive ones, like more education is a good thing. Uh, we also grow up with other invisible scripts that are maybe more questionable, like buying a house is always the best investment. Right. That's not true. Then we grow up with some that can often be quite insidious and destructive. And if you think back to being five or six years old, sitting at the dinner table, Think of this. What did your parents say about money? What were the phrases that they talked about when they talked about money? What comes up for you, Kathy? Oh my God. Money is about hard work and you need to save it. Mm. So those could be good, but they can also be destructive. Let's take the implications of those. Money is the result of hard work. That's good. Show up every day. That's a good perspective. But what about the negative perspective, which is if I'm making money and it doesn't feel hard, then it's not valid. And how many of us have this belief that if it doesn't feel hard or if I'm not stressed out, then I'm not doing the right thing. It's terribly destructive. 
The second one, can you remind me what was the second script? You need to save it. Like my parents are always like, you can only get it if it's on sale and we, you know, we right. can't spend the money for the Z Cavaricis, you know, you got to hold on to it. Love it. So again, positive. Yeah, you should save. In fact, frankly, most of you listening need to save more. That's obvious. Our savings rate is horrible in America. However, there's a destructive side, which is when I ask people, especially people now who are in their 50s and 60s, I take a look at their finances and they have more than enough for the rest of their life. And I say, what do you want to do with your money? And their answer is almost always, well, I need to save. And I say, no, 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 no. I've looked at the numbers. You have more than enough. You can never spend the amount of money you have. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I need to save. Why? Because it's very, very difficult for people to turn off a script that has guided them for 50 years and to suddenly internalize, oh, wow, I won. I won that game. Now I get to play a different game. So I find this is very common. This is why I spend so much time telling people there's a limit to how much you can save, but no limit to how much you can earn. And so all of us grow up with these invisible scripts. They carry through to our adulthood. And one of my hopes in talking to you and to your audience is that we can question them. We can say, hey, I agree with the, some of the ones that my parents taught me. They were doing their best. I love that. But I've also been fortunate enough to turn the page and to create some of my own. Yeah. And one of the things I want to talk to you about is your, your dream job program, because you and I are on this mission to help people find it and do it. And when I was growing up, what I saw, my mom had been like the most talented kid in the high school yearbook. She was given that senior superlative, most talented, right? And then she never did anything with it because she said to me, no, 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 that's not how it works. Either you get lucky and you get to use your gifts to have a career, or you're like everybody else who never gets lucky. And by the way, if you ever got lucky, you'd wind up like Judy Garland and you'd have a drug overdose. So you don't want money anyway, because the more fame, the more money, the more you get to do that thing that you really want to do, it's actually a deal with the devil and you'll die. Oh my God. So it was like, oh my God. So it's like, there is no way to do your dream job because yeah. A, you're not lucky. And B, even if you got lucky, you'd yeah. get an ego. You would wind up on drugs. Like it was so, and I think that this is something, it sounds insane. I think that people have heard this and not just me. I'm so glad you brought that up. And by the way, I just want to say it's incredible what you do because of the way you grew up. I mean, right. the most impressive thing is not just how big your listenership is and how much impact you have, but really that you've been able to change the narrative of your life because those invisible scripts cut deep. Yeah. So yeah, that tautology that your mom taught you is so common, which is you can't really get it. And even if you did, it's bad. So yeah. when winning is losing, most people's choice is rationally to not play the game at all. Mm -hmm. And what you and I are here to talk about is, you know, first of all, you can win. You have to make some smart choices. You have to be a little lucky. You may have to give yourself a lot of time and grace, but you can be successful. And the second thing is, this is a phrase that drives me insane. We've all heard it, especially in America, this phrase, money changes people. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me say it again, because I want you to hear the sarcasm <laughs> mirroring just dripping off my way. Money changes people. Ugh. Yeah, it does change people. Money changed me. It allowed me to dream bigger. It allowed me to donate more than ever before. Yeah. to charity. It allowed me to take my parents on trips they would have never experienced themselves and my wife and my family. So yeah, money does change people. It should. But I trust in myself enough to know that I'm not going to compromise my values just because I have more money or a dream job. And I trust in you as well. And I think you should trust in yourself, but sometimes you need someone who believes in you more than even you believe in yourself to tell you, hey, if you build the skills of finding a dream job, if you go through a process that's different than what most people do, which is let me get 1.25 inch margins on my resume, go to some random website, upload the resume, and then just sit there and passively wait. No, if you learn the skills that top performers use, get a dream job, you can actually have a great rich life. It's so good. And I was, first of all, just reminded about the story you told when you were here last time and how most people take a honeymoon for like a week and you were like, 
Why? Who said so? Maybe we should go for six weeks and take our families around the world, right? And these are the things that money is allowed you to do to make those kinds of memories. Um, and I was also thinking about how money, as you're saying, it's really just like a great magnifier, right? Like it, it just magnifies what is inherent in the person. So if a person has a good moral compass, it will probably be that they then become the custodian of more of a resource and they do more good with it and, and so on and so forth. It's just, it's sad to me, this idea of like having more money somehow will make you evil where it's like, whoever said that about another resource, like, oh, I don't want to have too much oxygen or too much water. <laughs> I want just enough. And Ramit, I love that you're, you're writing the books you're writing and speaking the way you're speaking because you are so fundamentally, it's so obvious how good of a person you are. And you have no problem saying, I want to teach you to be rich. And people feel shame around that. Yeah. Why do you not feel shame around being wealthy? Let's unpack it even more. Well, what is rich? I mean, when people think about rich, their first vision in this country is so twisted. It's this uh, richy rich concept of living in a mansion and right. uh, having someone serve you on silver platters. And I have zero interest in that. Let me give you an example of what rich means to me and what it doesn't mean to me. So um, I believe in spending extravagantly on the things you love and cutting costs mercilessly on the things you don't. When we took our honeymoon, we took a six-week honeymoon. We, we started in Italy. We brought our parents with us and we told them, just come to the airport. That's all you need. We'll take care of everything. They showed up. We took them on private tours. We took them to old wineries and <sighs> had, had an amazing time. Then we continued on to Kenya on safari. This was just the two of us, India and Thailand. Memories. We loved it. We love that. We do that every year. So we love traveling and going deep, high, low, uh, experiencing local food, all that. But on the other hand, I drive the same car that I got as a recent college grad in 2005. It's a great car. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Until this year, I had the same computer for eight years that I run my entire business on. It's a MacBook Air. You know, I eat basically the same food. It's just fine. It's great. But there are things that I love. I love clothes. I'll never apologize. I spend a tremendous amount of money on clothes. I love it. But I just, you know, if you ask me like, what kind of gourmet chocolate do you, I don't care. It's not relevant. Now, everybody listening, I get it. I sound like a serial killer to you. What person goes on a six week trip, but also drives a 15 year old car. But as I said, your rich life is yours. So when I ask people, what's your rich life? This is really what I want to hear. I want to hear you say, well, I travel for three weeks a year. I take my kids and I let them bring their friends and we rent a beach house or whatever. Or I want to hear somebody say, I absolutely love clothes. In fact, I'll tell you the story about a young woman in Pasadena. I was giving a book talk. I asked her, what's your money dial? A money dial is the thing you love to spend money on. She said, I love clothes. I said, great. She expected to be guilted, by the way. When she said it, she went like this. Um, I, I love clothes. Like as if she was expecting me to judge her. I was like, I love them too. Let's get into it. So I said, okay, how much do you spend on clothes? And she told me some number. I said, fantastic. Now imagine you use my material. I will teach you to be rich. And imagine you can quadruple your spending on clothes. What would that look like? What would it feel like? And she goes, I would have boxes everywhere. I just get orders every day. And I, we're all cracking up. I said, where do you shop? She said, top shop. I said, where would you shop if you could spend 4X, 5X, 10X? And she was so confused. What, what do you mean top shop? I would just buy more. I said, no, dream bigger. Where would you go if you could turn that dial way up? She was stuck as most people are because they think linearly. They think if I could do more, I would just do more quantity. I pointed out to her, if you truly turn that money dial, Maybe you love Italian clothes. You and your mom fly to Italy, get something custom made just for the two of you that you will never forget. That is truly turning the dial. And I use that example advisedly because there's nothing wrong with loving clothes. There's nothing wrong with loving eating out. There's nothing wrong with loving being charitable. All of those are valid. So, so stop letting people guilt you into what you are and are yeah. not allowed to do. You choose, it's your rich life and you can turn that dial way up. 
Mm, I love the idea of like designing it like it's yours to design. This conversation has been so good. But before we keep going, let's just thank our sponsors. If you throw some bedding on a bunch of different mattresses, they all look alike, right? The same goes for pillows. But we know that inside they aren't all created equal. And that's what makes every purple pillow and mattress unlike anything you've ever slept on. The purple grid is really what puts the purple mattress on a whole other level. It's a patented comfort technology that instantly adapts to your body's natural shape and sleep style. With over 1,800 open air channels designed to neutralize body heat, purple provides a cooling effect other mattresses just can't replicate. I love how comfy the material is and how soft but also provides and how it's soft, but it also provides a lot of support at the same time. And the way that grid technology creates a cooling effect is such a game changer. I definitely could have used it on the first night when I moved to Florida and we found out that the AC was broken, but it has just been so good. You can experience the purple grid and you're going to sleep like never before. Go to purple.com slash dreamjob10 and use promo code dreamjob10. For a limited time, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash dreamjob10, promo code Dream Job 10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Terms apply. Podcasts are small businesses. So when we're talking to small business owners, we get it 100%. And when it comes to hiring, every single hire needs to fit just right. That's why I want to tell you about Indeed. Indeed Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Here's how it works. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database and shows you great candidates instantly. So you can do the part you really need faster, like meeting and hiring great people. With Indeed, you get full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. Plus, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you see a great list of candidates right away. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Do you want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash dreamjob. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash dreamjob. Indeed.com slash dreamjob. Offer valid through March 31st first terms and conditions apply. I want to talk about this dream job, which we we've thrown that word out a few times. And I, I think that my audience very much so wants this. And yet there seems to be a little bit of a quagmire around is a hobby plausible to become the dream job or is the dream job about finding a problem to solve that I also like that now I can make money around and make it a dream job. Okay, I want to share a couple of things. First off, let's differentiate between starting a business and finding a dream job. If you want to start a business, awesome. We also found that over 95% of our readers, and I'm guessing a a high percentage of your audience, have full-time jobs. And having a job, I I just have to say this one pet peeve I have. There's There's a new kind of message out there that if you have a job, you're a loser, that only successful people are the ones who start businesses. And I don't believe that for a second. There are lots of reasons to work at a company. First of all, you can have more of an impact together than you can have alone. Some people want security. Some people want to turn it off at 6 p.m. or build their career skills. Great. So what we are talking about today is a dream job, a job where you are employed, compensated well. Now, some of you can work remotely. We can talk about how to do that. You can be paid extremely well, but I'll tell you one thing that really surprised me when I started talking more about this. I asked people, what does a dream job look like for you? Plenty of us, including you and me, know people who go to work, they love what they do, they're respected. When they speak up at work, their boss listens, they're given challenges, they're given autonomy, they're paid extremely well, and they can also take care of their family, take vacations, et cetera. So that's what I want to talk about, a dream job where you are paid well, respected. This is how do you find a job where you are compensated, respected, and challenged? I love it so much because my husband is not entrepreneurial like I am. He is in one sense like you. He went to really good colleges, right? He went to UCLA undergrad. He went to USC law school. He went back to UCLA for Anderson for business school, and he likes and not just likes, but feels very much that it's his alignment working at a company. He enjoys being part of that structure. And 
after going to law school and business school, he was like, well, if I'm going to be a lawyer, I would love it if I got to work as a lawyer in sports. So he worked at Fox Sports for 15 years as vice president of business and legal. And I used to sit across the table from people at dinner parties and whatever. And I would be like trying to <laughs> slightly pressure them, I think sometimes to be like, but what do you really want to do? You should leave your job. You should. And he would say, this person might A, like what they're doing or B, be able to find a better fit within the field of what they do. Because some people, he said, would go crazy if they don't have structure. They're not entrepreneurial. They like working for somebody else and seeing somebody else's vision and then getting to enjoy, like bringing it to life. He goes, I really do. So it's been interesting to have that dance with him. Yeah. So especially now when COVID shook things up so much and people are reevaluating, is the job that they want the one that they have? You know, do they need to get a new job because certain things have become obsolete? What can you teach us about finding a dream job? Do we start with a vision? Do we start by interning? How do we find that dream job? The biggest question people ask us is how do I find out what my dream job even is? This is such a big, overwhelming question that it's hard to know where to start, but I want to give you a very specific framework. It's brand new. I want to introduce it. And if you think about our lives, in many ways, they go in seasons, just like the seasons on earth, they go in seasons. We have a growth season of our career. This is what I was in in my early 20s. I was willing to work 60, 80 hours a week, didn't matter because I wanted to grow. I wanted to grow my skills. I wanted to make more money. I wanted to get promoted. I wanted all that. That was growth. So some of you listening, that sounds extremely appealing to you. That's the growth season. Then for a lot of people, as they get into their 30s or maybe 40s, maybe they have a family or they want to take care of elderly parents. Suddenly the season switches and it switches to something we call the lifestyle season where yes, you want to perform at work, but lifestyle is important. And beyond taking care of family, it can also just be, you know what? I have a hobby outside of work and I want time to honor that. That's the lifestyle season. But finally, we have another season. Some people enter this at some point. You can imagine the lawyer, like your husband, for example, who says, you know what? I'm done. I want to be a beekeeper. I'm going to completely reinvent <laughs> myself. Now, I don't know if your husband would do that, but some might. And there are a lot of people who eventually go into the reinvention season. Now, each of these seasons has its own unique challenges and opportunities. For example, if you're a lawyer and you want to switch to a beekeeper, you got a lot of very specific questions like, are my skills transferable? I used to make X dollars. How much am I going to take of a pay cut at this new job? So for everyone listening, I would ask you this one question. What career season are you in right now? Mm. Are you in growth? Are you in lifestyle? Are you in reinvention? And the key is you can only pick one. That's the most common objection people have. Well, I'm growth and lifestyle, but I also like reinvention. No, you don't. Pick one. That's how you go deep. <laughs> and once you pick it, we can talk about the strategies to find that perfect dream job for your season of life. Mm. So good. Okay. So let's pick one so that we can piggyback on it. So what would you guess is the most common one? It's lifestyle. Most people listening, they have worked for a while and they've realized that, Hey, I can grow a lot more, but there's a cost to that. I, I'm not willing to work 60 hours a week anymore. I want to balance. I want to do a good job at work. I want to put some time in, but I also want to have a life and a family outside of work. That's the most common. When it comes to getting a job, I think that my audience, even the ones who would want to get a job job, they want to feel like it does light them up in some way and they're getting to make an impact, right? That they're not just a cog in a wheel. So how can they get a dream job? Because to me, I would think a dream job would allow for both of those things, for allow for some self-expression, right? And creativity, as well as a feeling like they're getting to make a little bit of an impact. Of course. I mean, if we're not making an impact, what are we doing at work? We're just yeah. sitting there pushing papers. It sucks. So I'm going to give you an abbreviated version of what we teach in this new dream job program we're launching. But let's start with the lifestyle career season. So you're in lifestyle 
And what we do is we ask people, what does that lifestyle look like to you? And this is where people necessarily caveat what they really want. I ask them, what does a dream lifestyle look like? And they'll go like this. Um, you know, I want to have the flexibility to take a trip. Uh, it's not like I need to take a trip for more than four weeks. Uh, but I'm just saying I'd like to go for like three days. I'm like, you can't even dream in your exercise. Come on, <laughs> please tell me something. Oh, I want to go to a hotel. It doesn't have to be that nice. Come on, at least be honest, put it down on paper and stop eviscerating your own dreams before you even say it out loud. You know, we do this a lot more nicely, but you know, I'm getting heated because I see so many people handicapping their own dreams and I don't want that. So lifestyle, they say, okay, great. I am really good at my job. I want to contribute. But after COVID, I've realized I'm not willing to do a commute. So I want to work remotely. Perfect. Now we're getting honest. This is what I want to hear because I can absolutely help you find a 100% remote job. It's not hard. Here's how you do it. The basic strategy is when you are searching for jobs, you know what most people do because they have no concept of career seasons. They literally go and they, they're a marketing manager or whatever. They go onto some job search site and they go and type in marketing manager. By the way, that's the same title that they're already unhappy with today. They go and type the same job title into some random site. They find all these jobs. They have no vision of how to sort through them. They're just like, oh, that's a company I've heard of. Okay, I'll submit my resume. And then they just wait and they take what they can get. And if they get called back, they go into an interview and they believe that the job of in an interview is to answer questions. That's not the point of an interview. You're not there to answer questions. You're there to communicate your key message. And mm -hmm. so it's a totally different way of looking at this entire process. If I were in lifestyle season, I would look for companies that are remote. I would also add some companies that are not explicitly remote, but in my cover letter and resume, I would make a point to mention I'm very excited to apply to Acme Corp. Here are the reasons. By the way, I understand that typically you don't allow remote work. Here are three key reasons why I am extremely skilled at remote work and would like to begin a remote position. So you start from day one. It's just like a relationship. If you are looking for something, you mention it on day one. You don't hide it till 15th date. And so these are some of the strategies that by the time you get to the interview and the negotiation, which we teach you about, you've already had these tough conversations. They already know that you're looking for uh, remote work or to be able to take three weeks off at a time. And it's not a question. You've already done the hard work ahead of time. That's what we teach in the dream job system. Mm. I love this point that you made, which I've never heard before, which is that the interview is not a time to answer questions as much as it is a time to communicate your message. What does that mean? Well, and how do we find out what that message is? And how do we get the confidence to actually do that in an interview? Okay, so everyone listening, I want you to close your eyes and pretend that you have used the dream job program and you know your career season, whether it's growth, lifestyle, or reinvention. You follow our thing, you get the interview, and the first question you get there, and I ask you this, tell me about yourself. What would you say? This is what most people do. Well, I was born under a palm tree in Florida and you know, I really like bowling. And um, after college where I studied XYZ, I decided to go here and then I went there and I, I learned how to ski. Nobody cares. These are the results of believing that your job in an interview is to answer questions. You accepted the premise that they're asking you a question and you need to answer it. And so what most people do is they answer with things like chronology. Again, nobody cares where you were born, they, for the most part, they don't care where you went to college unless it's some exceptional college. What they do care about are your three key messages. So for example, for somebody like me, my key message might be, I'm the technology and psychology guy who understands human behavior. Okay, perfect. So I might say something like, um, you know, in my first role, I chose to take it because it allowed me to combine quantitative and qualitative information and to be able to measure changes in our customer behavior. Okay, that's still answering the question, tell me about yourself, but it also embodies those key messages. So when I ask you questions in an interview like, tell me about yourself, why do you wanna work here? Uh, what did you do in your last role? 
hopefully you're now realizing that the last time you answered those questions, you just accepted the premise that you were there to quote, answer them. But really there's a totally different and much more effective way of answering these. That is how you go through the process. I mean, this is just so good, but a lot of what I find that comes up for people is fear around making a change. And so they'll just do that same marketing manager, like they'll plug it right back in, even though they've already said over and over again, this isn't what they want to do. And they're like, you said, use that expression, kicking the can down the road. They're just going to keep kicking it down the road. This like, I don't like what I'm doing. So how can they get over that fear and maybe what if they wanted to do something very different? Like, or, or even if it's not beekeeping, if, if it's not a marketing manager role and they've realized that they'd rather be on the customer side or research side or, or it's some related thing, but not even, you know, really what, what it was called that they did before. I don't know how people feel scared around that. How can you help them through that process? You know, when I created this program almost 10 years ago, the origin of it was that I was in college and I had a weird hobby of interviewing at companies. I just really enjoy interviewing. <laughs> I love it. And so I got together with a few of my friends and we would compare notes and we started to land job after job. So after I graduated, I had an offer at Google, which I accepted and later turned down. And I went off to start my own company and I started to help friends get their jobs. And one of my favorite examples was one of my close friends who I helped. She was in law school and she dropped out and she was very, very depressed because her parents were not happy with her decision. She felt like all of her friends from college were already off to successful careers. And what is she supposed to talk about when people say the perennial question, young people say, what are you up to now? So her belief was, I have no skills. There's nothing I can do, no company that would want me. And what I taught her, because I had a broader perspective on these different industries, was you have a ton of transferable skills. You just don't know it. I taught her how to go out and do informational interviews. If you're nervous about switching to a different job, let me ask you a simple question. When was the last time you spent 15 minutes on the phone or Zoom asking someone in a different industry what they do, what they like, what they don't like? Never. Everyone's like, oh, I don't know what to do. Yeah, you don't know what to do. So get on the phone and start asking people, get informed. The answer is not to sit and be stagnant and scared. The answer is to take action. So ultimately she got a job at a top tier finance firm. She loved it. She was there for a couple of years. She uh, improved her skills, got paid very well. She used the same dream job system to then switch over to tech. Now she runs her own business. And so for people who are nervous or scared, like, I don't know how to find my dream job. I don't know what the process is. I would just ask you a simple question. Is it working for you now? If it's working, then great. No need. However, for a lot of people, if you've listened this far, chances are either you're not being paid what you think you're worth. When you speak up at work, your boss doesn't listen. Or you've been told year after year, uh, we don't do that. It's a tough year. No raises. Oh, we can't give you any vacation time. If so, I guess the, the simple question is, is it time to make a change? Only you know that. Mm, so interesting. I'm curious because you said that you and your friends had this thing where you loved interviewing, which I could totally see you. I and still I love, love it. Once you understand this skill, it becomes not just easy. It becomes fun wait, I get to get into a room and talk about myself and tell stories for 45 minutes. Great. Think about going to a bar with your friends and telling a funny story. That is the kind of joy that you can get out of this job search process, which is so different than how most people approach it. Completely. And that's what I was going to ask you is separate from the answer you already gave, which was excellent about communicating your message. What do you think is like the fundamental thing that makes somebody the choice candidate when they're being interviewed? Is it the confidence? Is it the empathy? Is it, what do you think it is? When I was a sophomore in college, I went to interview at a bunch of companies. And I remember walking into this tech company, Sun Microsystems, which was a big company at the time. And as a sophomore, I did not own a suit 
So I think I borrowed a suit from the guy down the hall Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I'm kind of nervous and I walk in and it turns out in the lobby, there were all these MBA students who were there and I was just a sophomore. So I had my little portfolio, which had like nothing in it. I don't even know why I took it (laughs) and, um, go into the interview, had a blast, told them some of my background, told them stories, really engaged, ultimately ended up getting the job which really surprised me because uh, I was a competitive intelligence analyst at Sun and I beat out all these MBA students. So finally, when I got the job after about a week, we're out to lunch with my coworkers and I said, okay, you got to tell me all these other MBA students, they had way more experience. Why did you choose me? And this is like the kind of question you never get to ask, but I had to know. And they said, basically, look at the point that people get to the interview, everybody has the skills, everybody. We're looking for someone we like because we're going to be working with them for three months. So likability is a huge factor. Does not mean you have to be an extrovert to be likable. For everybody listening who says, well, I don't talk like you, Ramit. That's perfectly fine. I'm not looking for everyone who talks like me. But when you go in and you have done your homework, you ask really pertinent questions. For example, Um, I noticed that in this recent podcast that the CEO of the company recorded, she mentioned that the new initiative is customer loyalty. And I noticed that you have a new loyalty program. And I wondered, how do you track the success of that program? Oh, my God. That's a candidate who is a serious player. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you have to shout and and do certain things. It just means that you have to be informed, but you also got to be likable. Those are some of the things that I learned along interviewing at dozens and dozens of companies. I love that. And I was going to guess that what they, I thought you were going to say that the reason they chose you, which is very similar to what you said, was your enthusiasm. You know, they've done all these studies to see like what lights up strongest in the brain during an fMRI. Is it love? Is it hate? Is it anger, jealousy, passion? It's enthusiasm. Like it lights up so strongly and it's such a high vibration that when you're around someone who's enthusiastic It just is very contagious. It's very infectious. And you're like that with everything you do in such a genuine way. So I think that we forget that um, that goes a really long way. You know, that's so interesting. I didn't know that about the enthusiasm lighting up that part of the brain. We have this uh, series called Manager Confessions that's in the program where you actually hear these hiring managers from different industries, different age ranges, Mm -hmm. and they're telling us point blank, this is why I hired this candidate and not this candidate. This is what I'm looking for. And I asked one of them, what does a successful candidate do? And one of the hiring managers said, look, a great interview is when I am learning something. I said, Mm. do you care if they're answering 30 seconds or five minutes? She's like, no, if they're teaching me something, I don't care about any of my other questions. I'm going to put all that aside because they're teaching me something I didn't know. I said, give me an example. And she said, I walked through with one candidate. Tell me how you acquired this many users at this customer acquisition price. Walk me through your entire logic. This person opened up their campaign dashboard, stripping out the confidential stuff, walked the hiring manager through this stuff. And the hiring manager could tell this person is really smart, made the hire. So this is, again, totally different. This is an example of what we call the briefcase technique. And again, if you're walking into an interview and your belief is, I need to answer questions, then you're totally missing what top candidates do. That's Mm. what we teach in the program. Mm. That's so cool. Okay, I have a few more questions, but first a quick ad break. The big game is coming up, and I know that so many of you are going to want to be loading up on snacks and all the game food. Whether you're going to be watching the game or not, there's got to be a reason to celebrate. So ButcherBox is giving one rack of St. Louis ribs, one pack of bacon, and one pack of pulled pork for free in your first box. And it's all high-quality, humanly sourced meat. It's also super easy. Each month, they send a box of the highest quality meat for a better price than you'll get at the grocery store. This means you can spend more time having delicious meals with your family and friends, and you'll always have meat in the freezer for the next time. All the meat 
meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. And each box has nine to 11 pounds of meat. So you're going to have enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh and shipped frozen vacuum sealed. So it stays that way. You can pick from options like 100% grass fed and finished beef, free range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar nitrate free bacon. So over in my house, we're pescatarian, but I did have the Alaskan salmon and it was very yummy. And my husband and kids also loved it. It was such an easy dinner and we had plenty of leftovers for the next few days. And best of all, I didn't have to make an extra trip to the grocery store. Right now, you can get a free rack of St. Louis ribs, one pack of bacon, and one pack of pulled pork in your first box. That's one rack of St. Louis ribs, one pack of bacon, and one pack of pulled pork for free in the first box. Just go to butcherbox.com slash dreamjob. That's butcherbox.com slash dreamjob. I wanted to ask you this question because I feel like this might come up for people listening who are in my audience, which is, if I got a job right now, which let's say they're saying I kind of need to do because my side hustle isn't there yet, but what if I do eventually want to have my own thing? Would this prevent me? Am I going in the wrong direction? How can this be a positive thing for me to get the next job? You know, can I do a side hustle at the same time? Or am I saying no to that if I have this? This is an excellent question. And I think if we unpack what's really beneath that, I think that most people who ask that question deep down believe that taking a job means that they are losing out on their dreams. And I don't believe it. I think you can have seasons of life where you get a job and you love it. You may have seasons of life where you say, hey, I still like or I love my job, but I'm going to try something on the side. And you can have a season of life where you say, I'm done working nine to five. I want to do my own thing. All of those can be true. They just may not be true at exactly the same time. So if you find, for example, that you have started a side hustle, well, one of the most important things when you started out is to set some basic metrics for yourself. So, hey, I'm starting a side hustle and within six months, I want to have 300 customers. Okay, if you get to the end of six months and you have 280, you win. You did it. It's basically there. If you have 10, something is not right. You need to make a big change and you may need to just shut it down. I find that in our culture, we are very afraid to end things that are not working. And all of us know people in terrible relationships who won't end it. But guess what? We don't talk as commonly about people in bad businesses that don't end it. It would be better to close the door and to open it to another thing. So if you are thinking, uh, hey, should I get a job? I want you to reframe it. It's not, do I have to take a job? It's am I going to find my dream job? And suddenly that allows you to think about, hey, if I want to do something on the side, yeah, I'll find a job in the career season where I can also have something on the side for balance. And absolutely, you can have a full-time job and do something on the side if you want. Let me ask you this about that same line of thought. I know people who say, well, I have a job right now. And I'm afraid to have a podcast or I'm afraid to do anything on the side. I think my employer would not like it. I've seen examples where the employer is actually like pretty impressed and winds up giving a person a whole new position and sees some sort of initiative that this person has been taking. What is your general sense? Since you do know so many people who are on the other side, hiring managers, and you know, people on the corporate spectrum, do you think that you have the space to do side hustles or do you think you have to hide it, change your name? Like, what do you think in general is the rule of thumb? Well, I've seen this happen in all cases. We have over 45,000 customers. So we get a lot of intel on what they do and what's working and what's not. Um, Some people tell us that they wanted to do something anonymously. And when we probe and ask them why, ultimately, oftentimes they will tell us what I'm writing about is incompatible with my professional identity. Mm -hmm. So that's perfectly fine. You can do that anonymously. You can have a pen name as is very common in the literary world. But I will tell you that ultimately as people's side hustles start to grow, I often find that once they become more successful, more secure in their business, they realize that that story they were telling themselves was just a story. Now, again, you can choose to keep it confidential if you like, But I have to say, Kathy, I don't like living a life out of fear. So if it were me, I would say, okay, you know what? I'm going to try this thing. And 
I have a couple of options. One, I can tell my boss point blank and say, hey, I want to be totally transparent. If this is going to be an issue, let's have a discussion about it because it's something I want to do and it replenishes me outside of work. I'm not going to compromise on my work here. Or you can say, I'm not going to bring it up, but I'm going to be willing to accept the consequences of what might occur if that does happen. Personally, I would prefer to be more transparent, but that's ultimately someone's decision. But just make a decision one way or another. It's your call. Don't just kick the can down the road. Last question is about the scarcity, because I do think what you said, one of the first things you said is, of course, you don't believe that this is possible because you don't see people around you, right? And so I think one of the greatest things that leaders do, one of the greatest things that podcast guests that I've had have done, and you've done it for sure, is show us through a new lens what's possible. And so I think all of these things you've said can be like, so it's so inviting. And then there comes this thought where people are like, Ramit, we're in the middle of a crazy time in the economy. Businesses are shutting down. Nobody's hiring. Like people come up with these like grandiose ideas where like, they just think there is scarcity. There are no jobs to be had. There is no money. I need to go back and take a lower paying job that I like even less because that is the state of the world. Can you say whether or not that that's true? They said that in 2008. They said it in 2012. They said it in 2015. They say it in 2021. There will always be people who will find a reason to not make a change. Of course there will. It's comfortable to do what we know. They said it when the economy was strong. They said it when the economy was weak. If that is you, maybe it's not the economy. Maybe it's actually you. And so I would ask, what have you done to prove or disprove that? Have you talked to five people who did find jobs and asked them, how'd you do it? No, of course not. Because the people who believe this start with their belief and then they work their way backwards. And I have to tell you, Kathy, I don't have any intention of convincing people otherwise. If their job, if they feel like there's no jobs out there, then I'm not going to convince them otherwise. Why are they listening to this podcast if they truly believe it? I think deep down they're listening because they have a suspicion that the story they've been telling themselves may not be true. Why? Because if you go look at stores on Madison Avenue, Rodeo Drive, they are still full with people. If you go look at deliveries on talk or any of these high-end restaurant places, they are still full of people getting expensive deliveries. How can that be if there are no jobs anywhere? And the answer is maybe your view of the economy is not correct. So my challenge is not to change people's minds. It's to simply show people it's possible. And I think, and I'll just finish with one last thing. I remember one of my former coworkers she came to me, she had a young daughter at the time, and she said, she worked remotely as all of my team does. And she said, Ramit, I wanted to bring up this um, idea that my family has, which is we want to go and live in France for a year. How can we make it work? And I just loved that approach she had. How can we make it work? So we spoke and I told her, okay, this is unusual. I've never done this before, but I will support you if you commit to being present at every meeting at regular times like you used to. You figure out your schedule on your end, but do it. She said, done. And she moved to France and lived there, provided this amazing experience for her daughter for a full year. And I loved the audacity of her asking. It didn't mean that I was going to say yes necessarily, but she had it all planned out. She made it easy for me. And so whether you do that in your current job, whether you use dream job to find a new job, You can tell yourself that there's nothing out there or you can create opportunities for yourself. Those opportunities are out there and they're going to be filled by somebody. Question is, why not you? That's amazing. You just reminded me when you brought up this story, which is you said about 28 minutes ago or something like that, that you might be able to find a way to get a raise at your current job. And so maybe, just maybe, we don't always have to find the next thing, but maybe where we are, we can be happier. And I just wanted to close out by, by not forgetting that point. Mm-hmm. And so how is it possible that we could reapproach where we actually are and have more satisfaction and potentially make more money? Let's, let's close with that. Yeah. You know, 
the first and easiest way uh, to make a change is to take an honest inventory of where we are in life. And I don't just mean this with careers. If we have areas of a relationship or a, where we live that aren't working, let's take a really honest look at what's going on. And with your career, since you already know your job, your boss, you know the players, if you can re establish your relationship with that company in a different way, that can be great. I'll give you an example. Um, let's say that you currently have to go into work five days a week and you want to go remote. How do you do that? Well, this is one of the coaching sessions we actually have happen to have in dream job, but I'll just tell you, you, you can go to your boss and you can say, you know what? Um, I really appreciate working here this year. I've got some big goals. One of the things I've realized is that my time is at a premium. And in order to hit these big goals, it's critical that I have the time to focus. Now, ordinarily, I know that we have a rule. Everybody comes to work five days a week. I would like to make a proposal where I work remotely. Now, why? What is this going to do for the company? Well, I calculated it out, allows me to save 2.5 hours a day. That's time that I can better spend towards these goals. And if I execute on these goals, like we've established, we're going to see a 13% increase in conversions and a 5% increase in repurchases. Fantastic. So the way that I frame that, and again, I go into more detail in the program, is I'm being candid with what I want. I'm showing that I've done the work. I've done the calculations and the proposal ahead of time. And if the boss said, no, we don't do that, I would say, I understand. Can I propose instead that we try a trial one day a week? So always have a fallback plan. Okay. Mm. These are more advanced things that are in the program. Start with your company. It may not work because it's sometimes hard to change the dynamics of a relationship. You can always start there and then move if it doesn't work for you. That's what top performers do. I love that so much because I do think that we are in a, we are in a very wasteful time in history where people tend to throw things out very quickly. They throw out a relationship. They fire people. Like I find that with myself as a leader, we've grown this team so much. And when something comes up, I'm like, no, Kath, you're going to lead your way through it, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to like, oh, next. It's like, you've already invested so much time with this person. You trust this person. Okay, but this part isn't going well. How can you use that as a lesson? Lead your way through it. Same thing with these amazing things. You've already invested your life. Maybe this is an example for you to learn to speak up or ask a question. Oh my God, who would have thought of it? Everyone listening, I hope you you hear what Kathy just said. Because Kathy, what a great demonstration of leadership which is you just demonstrated the rarest thing in the world, which is having a point of view. And your point of view is, hey, I've invested a lot. I'm going to find a way to make this work. I'm going to try everything before we pull the plug on this. And I hope everyone listening notices how profound that is. There are many people who are saying, well, my boss would never let me work remotely or give me a raise. They don't do that. And I would say, well, how do you know? Oh, I just know. Have you actually asked them? And this is where things fall apart. No, they haven't. Or if they did, they did it half-heartedly. They didn't learn the exact way to do it. They didn't invest in a program like Dream Job. They just went in there and said, "Um, maybe do you think possibly somehow someday I could have a raise? No, that's not how you do it. So these are, it's critical to learn these skills. And if we all treat ourselves like you treat yourself, which is I'm a leader. Maybe I don't run a big company, but I'm a leader of my own career. I'm going to see this through. I'm going to empower myself. I'm going to invest in my skills and I'm going to ask for what I want. You're a leader just as well as any entrepreneur. You're just doing it at your job. Totally. And I've seen this happen for people who are friends of mine, as well as for our listeners. We've had a few listeners who've said, you know, Kath, I decided I wanted to start a podcast. So I have this current job. So I went to my boss and said, this is what I've been learning about podcasting and I'm really passionate. Could I start a podcast for our customers? And oh my God, they're paying me to do it. And I'm like, yes, like your job can be the investor where you could spend another, let's say year, two, three years learning this, right? Getting your PhD on somebody else's dime. We had another listener of ours who wrote to me and said, you were talking so much about empathy and about the way that we should go back to customers and really make people feel seen. So I said to my boss, is it possible that I could slight, and she worked at an insurance company and she's like, I'd like to create different kinds of content and answer people's questions and this and that. And her boss was like, that sounds amazing. Go do it. And then he gave her a raise and let her work half the time. I was like, 
I'm not joking. These are true stories. So it's like, you need to not assume, right? That you have no, nothing to make out of what you have. You might be sitting on a gold mine. I, I just think that if you're in an organization, go to the boss, go to somebody you admire and be like, I have an idea. Great. You think you can help us grow our sales, our connection, our footprint in the world. What do you bring in? What do you got? And then maybe you'll be able to grow right where you are. Exactly. Yeah. When, when you find a dream job, whether you find it or you create it in the one you are in, you would not believe the kind of reception you can get. Because like I said, the most rare thing in the world is to have a point of view. Most people don't. They come to an interview. They think they're just there to answer questions. They have no point of view. They go to work. They do what's given to them. They have no point of view. But if you do, even if you're wrong half the time, the half that you are right is well worth every mistake that you make. So please develop a point of view. It can absolutely change your career and your life. That's awesome. I love talking to you. Tell us where we can follow along, where we can see what you're up to, this course, your books, everything. So for people who are interested in finding a dream job, we're going to show you how we've been helping people get substantial raises, $10,000 to $80,000 raises. And in the program, we actually have the exact scripts that they used Mm -hmm. to get these raises. It's amazing. IWT.com slash podcast DJ. Let me give it to you again. This is for free material on finding your dream job. IWT.com slash podcast DJ, like dream job. And I'm on Instagram at Ramit. I'm on Twitter at Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. And I'm at IWT.com. That's awesome. And we'll put the links in the show notes and I'll swipe up to it and all of that. So thank you for all of this. So fun. I was so touched that before we started recording, Ramit's like, my wife listens to your show. And I'm like, that is so generous. Oh, she's a huge fan. Yeah. I love it. I love her. You talked about her on the first episode and I was already thinking that she's so cool. Now I know why you love clothes so much. (laughs) She has Uh, great taste. Yeah, I know she's probably influenced you uh, maybe a little bit. In any case, I hope that you stay safe and, and keep doing what you're doing. It's so inspiring. Thank you for having me. I always love talking to Ramit. Here are the takeaways. Number one, there's no limit to how much you can earn. Number two, money allows you to dream bigger and treat the ones you love. Trust yourself to know you won't compromise your values just because you have more money. Number three, your rich life is yours. Don't let people guilt you into what you're allowed and not allowed to do in your rich life. You can turn the dial way up. Number four, be honest. Stop eviscerating and putting a limit on your own dreams. Number five, don't sit, don't be stagnant and scared. The answer is to take action. Number six, you can either tell yourself there's nothing out there or you can create opportunities for yourself. Those opportunities are out there and will be filled by someone. Why not you? And number seven, be a leader of your own career. See it through, empower yourself, invest in your skills and ask for what you want. I so appreciate that you're here. Thank you so much for listening. I am so aware that you have literally a million things you could be doing today. So it really means the world that you're here. If for some reason you have not subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, please go ahead and subscribe because it is free to subscribe. And I started this year doing daily episodes. Mondays and Thursday are longer form episodes. They're about an hour, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, we're doing like five to 10 minute episodes. And I think that they'll give you that shot of like encouragement and inspiration. So please subscribe and take a listen. And can you think of one person who would benefit from hearing today's episode? Is there an episode you heard a few weeks back and you're like, I really need to, to make sure a friend of mine hears it. If so, please go ahead and text it to that person, send the link via email or talk about it on your Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller and I'll repost it. And you can tag Ramit. He's just at Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. And he'll know that you got value out of this conversation. I love you guys so much. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you tomorrow. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Maybe I lost some battles And my cage got rattled But now I'm before But I'll win this war Hey, I came back fighting And now I know that nothing Can hold me down Anymore I'll be right, the rules Gonna make my move I still got so much Living left to do Now This
This is the moment. This 